I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We're two game masters who just can't stop talking about roleplaying games. And today we are behind the GM screen of the Last Blood and Betrayal campaign diary, which is called A Daring Excursion. Mm-hmm. It was a really uh, fun game, and it was a really different game. Um, maybe you want to give our listeners a bit more context here for this, Chris. Yeah, that game came up. Uh, I invited the two players that play Umgrim and um, Randall at my place, uh, at my home, to do board games, actually. And we didn't really know what game we were going to play. But just talking, hanging out, they were like, oh, man, I could really play a Blood and Betrayal campaign game, like a, a role-playing game. And I'm like, my first instinct was like, oh, I don't I don't have anything prepared. I usually, like, really prepare a lot of things and, like, with text. And so I kind of felt out of my comfort zone. But you were, I was like, you know what? I might have a little thing. Like, I might have something that we could we could try. And we literally improvised a game. Like, they didn't come to play that game, but we improvised it. Yeah, and I remember you actually, in a later time, at a later date, you talked to me more about the letter that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diedrich's letter that his master gave him. And how you had some ideas about different plot hooks that might might exist. One of those plot hooks being the Stardust, um, you know spelled out in the letter and how maybe there would be a quest related to that. But then you decided to scrap it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how this kind of... Well, actually, at this point, I, this was not known. I didn't like uh, said that. I didn't say that to the to the players or the characters. Yeah. And I remember the, the, the two players that play the two characters, uh, Ungrim and Randall, uh, were talking. We're like, you know what? That startup thing, I feel like we should do Like we could actually do that. So it really came from the desires, the desire of the players to go towards that. So once they said that, I'm like, I can, I can run with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you didn't really have very much prepared, right? You had, like, no, I, I just knew that Stardust was Mithril. Like it was the only thing. If it was, if it would be a quest, it would be that Stardust is an actual or stone, or stone. Something. Yeah, yeah, and it was gonna be mithril and i like the idea of like the shining ceiling that's that was the hook i had like Mm -hmm. and that's usually how i start creating things i i have a hook i have a cool scene or a cool thing and that was the the ceiling part for me uh and then i just just built yeah and then i built around it but it was the first time i had to build around it live or like during the game so i had my list of npc names and i had my my map and i was like okay how can i Connect all the dots. Connect all the dots. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I mean, looking back at it, and I don't mean this in a bad way, mm-hmm. but it does have a different feeling. You know, oh, it, yeah. it, narratively, it feels a lot looser. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot less uh, interconnected. You know, in, a, yeah. in some of the other campaign diaries, you know, all the elements when we're playing feel so interconnected whereas here it looked it, it looks to be a little bit more linear you know you've got them on mm-hmm. the going to sock going to see Beryl Belanger off to the mine come back with the mithril like it, it feels a little bit more if it's more traditional maybe like less, yeah, less dimensional yeah. and almost fetch questy mm-hmm. for those of yeah. you who know what that is and it's hard to make a thing that has all these connection and betrayal or whatever during an improvised game oh so, absolutely so I had to like deal with that um but 
yeah, it kind of comes out that way. Like you mentioned railroady, and I agree with you that it looks kind of railroady. But the fact is, it it wasn't at all because I did not know where they were going to go. <laughs> yeah. Like they could have gone almost anywhere. Obviously, my info would maybe tend to show a little to go to the mine. Uh, but if they came up with something really different, they, they could have. And as you see in the in the Blood Betrayal, we mentioned this caravan with an aristocrat. This was what we call an interrupt. It was me not knowing what to do next mm -hmm. and be like, oh, I have this again. Like I always, always have like side quests or interrupts in my head that I'm, I can pull out at any moment. And it was me pulling this out and they did not engage with it any because I didn't want it to be railroady. I didn't want it to be all about that thing. Yeah, so, yeah. but they didn't engage with it. So, and if they had, I don't think the game would have been as good because they wouldn't have done the thing they the set thing. out to do, yeah, yeah. really, yeah. Um, and obviously, with a character like Berul Belanger, a half-dwarf with a top hat, a mouse, and a basically naked outfit, just a... Was a cooking apron or, or what have you? It was a... Blacksmithing. More like a leather, like a oh. blacksmithing apron, yeah. Yeah, like with something <laughs> like that in the game, it immediately <laughs> sets the tone to be a lot more lighthearted. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about, you know, how it was different... In yeah, for me, uh, this game was, I, I challenged myself in, in different ways. One was improvised. I don't remember what part of that character was me, but I, I'm pretty sure I did a, I pulled a mat and I asked, I, I believe it was the player to play Randall. I, I asked him what's one thing he, like, he looks weird. What's yeah. the one thing he looks weird? And then there was a top hat with the, the mouse and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I remember there was a lot of sexual innuendo too around rocks and the bit like the that we did put in the <laughs> diary, you know, like it is. Um, but uh, so we laughed like a lot. We like yeah. I usually run a pretty serious game with I want to say dark theme, like something grim, which is pretty typical for a Warhammer game normally. Mm -hmm. um, but this was really lighthearted. That's good. I mean, it it's nice to change to change that pace a little bit. I, I know, for me as a player playing in that in your campaign mm -hmm. near the end, I was starting to feel, you know, like out of breath almost mm -hmm. because everything was just coming to an end, and it was like this climax of of such intense moments. Mm -hmm. Um, I can definitely see the value in having games peppered in like this. And I know that's kind of our plan moving forward is to kind of mm -hmm. take a little bit of a break from the, the intensity. It'd be kind of neat to see how much of, how much of the lessons learned in these improvised sessions that you had make their way into the campaign that we're going to be starting. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a challenge for me because I tend to go for that really grim organized with the big plot behind it mm -hmm. and to be honest even now like i was we're gonna start playing again pretty soon and i had all these different possible plots for each players and i keep i still find myself wanting a thread and some kind of i don't know like this grim challenge if you want mm -hmm. but anyway we're not going to go too much into details here but it's more about in the previous campaign, the blood betrayal, it was really crushing time all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah. But so, if there was an element of this of this improvised session, 
that you think helped you grow as a game master? What would that be? What What would be the lesson learned really to take out of? Out yeah, of from from challenging myself, I think I think the the main thing was playing that improvise showed me that I can actually come up with I can trust myself to come up with something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I would encourage anybody that finds themselves overly preparing or just sticking to notes. If you're uh, running module, I think that that might be like problematic sometime because you always want to stick to the to the main material. And mm -hmm. what I do now is I would read it, find the essence of it, the core and, and the cool moments there, I like, yeah. and, and then don't look at the, the, the material and just improvise using the ideas I was provided. And that's really, I think that brought up my game mastering skills, the trust in myself, it lowered my prep time. It, it actually helped a lot. That's, that's really good to mm -hmm. hear. I mean, I kind of find myself in the same situation most of the time. Mm -hmm. It's also my fun. And I think it is for you to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, prepare. I still over-prepared. Coming me. with the, the mm -hmm. sandbox that the players get to play in, mm -hmm. the, the narrative and all that. But maybe that's not a conversation for here. Um, <laughs> what's something else we could talk about? I, I know that in a, one of our roleplay chat videos, uh, maybe we'll link it here, when we talk about NPCs, mm -hmm. uh, we talk about this phenomenon that happens where players tend to fixate on improvised uh, NPCs because they're more open, they're a little bit more ridiculous. Um, mm. And who is a better example than a ridiculous <laughs> NPC than our sky specialist? Uh, High dwarf. Uh, half dwarf. dwarf. Yeah, that's... Uh... Mouse, hat, apron wearing <laughs> dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, did I, would, that, like, I, kind I of, went weird. Yeah, did that kind of like solidify your your opinion about how improvised npcs can capture i i, I think the, my opinion kind of came from that to be honest okay because it was one of the first time because i usually i over prepare right my npcs were most of the time pretty deep and everything so yeah, it was yeah, yeah. the first time i did that and after that that's when i came up there's another char character that's going to come up in the future that's called bianca and i prepared her in advance but i was like i need that factor of weird quirky thing okay um even though it's prepared and yeah i really learned and to me it's a perfect example as you said of that situation i was expecting the players to be like oh he's crazy i'm not listening to him but no they come in they eat pastries with him they encourage him they, they make a friend out of him and they yeah. come out the next day out of the house being like yeah we made a friend it was great we had a nice evening and that's when I learned, okay, weird, weird is appealing mm -hmm. and weird is a hook. So that's something to, to use, I think, to, for good and bad, right? Yeah, exactly. And we talk a lot about it in that role play chat, mm -hmm. uh, that long conversation. So I would encourage you to, you know, take a look, see what you have to say. And, and even here, feel free to comment. Mm -hmm. uh, do, do you have experience with odd, strange NPCs and, and how, do you, how do your players at, your, at the table interact with those NPCs. Uh, one other thing that maybe Chris, we ought to bring, mm -hmm. uh, bring forward here is that this was a, a smaller game. You're playing just with two player characters. Mm -hmm. um, in our video, our role play chat video about running one-on-one -on -one games, we give tips about, you know, tailoring the experience really to your players. Mm -hmm. I'll, we'll, we'll link it up here. So I don't know which side it goes on, <laughs> but um, we'll link it up. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to kind of bring forward here with regards to that 
yes, the it, obviously it's not a one-on-one, -on -one, but I could actually tailor me to those two players. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew it was... I could actually direct when I would see them not getting bored, but getting less interested. I could like change it up when you have five players, usually some, somebody is interested, but with two players, it's really easy to like concentrate on what they actually like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for Umgrim to go fight an, impo an impossible foe, that's like, he loves it. Yeah. And it's green skin, which is kind of his favorite enemy. And he had to mine, which Umgrim had like blacksmithing background. It was it was made for for Umgrim, and the player that plays Umgrim is um, takes a lot more spotlight than the player who plays Randall. And they're both like okay with that. Like it, mm -hmm. it's just the way they are. And Randall was more like going throughout the wood, do the traveling thing. He could help there too. So it was kind of a mix of those two characters all mashed into one. So I could actually tailor made the game for them and have those different challenges of. Even sneaking is a bit like Randall uh, has some some yeah. some skills in that, so it really worked well. And you know my my aristocrat caravan thing. If they wanted to play a diplomat and like talking game, I think it was obvious that that they didn't I mean, that they didn't because yeah. they could have went to talk to that guy and go that route. But no, they decided exploration and, and probably combat. Mm -hmm. And I think it really represent well those two players. So it comes down to the the, the the tailoring the game to to the players and to the characters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I guess that goes to show that the the lessons that we learned in the the one on one conversation in theory are applicable everywhere. Another thing that I used that we talked about in the one on one is the fact that they have kind of a reveal. It wasn't really a reveal, but they did an objective that they didn't come back to the group. So the next game, when we're going to start, their group is solving this letter mm -hmm. and they arrive with part of the solution. So I'm not giving the group the solution. The players worked for it and they're like, we have the Stardust. And we're just like, what? Yeah, that's, like, that's neat. So it was, it was not a reveal in terms of information, but it was something they brought back to the group and made the story advance. Right. So again, it kind of links back to our one-on-one -on -one discussion awesome so i think that sums up everything that we have to talk about in this fun improvised uh, mini session that you had with with two of the players at the table yep uh, if you want to reach out to us you can do so by contacting us on twitter that's role underscore play underscore chat on twitter or by email which it's contact roleplaychat at gmail.com uh, if you want to hear more of our content, or if you enjoyed this, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our channel. Give us a like down below. It, it really helps us out a whole bunch. Or reach out to us on all the media platforms that we... we on the two, I guess. <laughs> the two. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think that covers everything we have for today, Chris. That's all, Matt. Let's call it a chat.